Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Bonjour et bienvenue à la Hostile Work Environment podcast. Je m'appelle Mark Alifans et comme toujours, oh, je suis ici avec mon ami, oh. avocate d'emploi extraordinaire, Kate Bischoff. Kate! Yes? Oui? Comment, comment ça va? know that the French and I have never gotten along <laughs> because I vacationed once in Mauritius. So I was stationed in Zambia, vacationed in Mauritius because you wouldn't vacation in Mauritius if you're from the U.S. because it takes like 48 hours from the U.S. to get there. Um, and in the morning, the sun would come up and my friends who I went vacationed with were late sleepers. So I would get up early. I'd go down to the buffet at 6 a.m. and I would grab a bunch of freshly baked croissants and then go out on the beach. And every morning there were mini croissants and I would take six of them. Some French dude would yell at me in French for being a hog. Then I got yelled at for, when I went to France, I got yelled at for being American. So the French and I have never really gotten along. So the fact that you're spouting French at me, I find hilarious. C'est vraiment c'est dommage. Uh, moi, je t'aime les Français. Uh, J'ai étudié en France pour six mois uh, à l'université et uh, uh, c'est le, le meilleur uh, pays en, en Europe uh, pour moi. Uh, <laughs> okay, you were a French major in college is the kind of thing I only got from that. But okay. C'est vrai, c'est vrai. <laughs> I was a French major in college, uh, and I, I love France. And so uh, I, that's just my way of saying uh, I, I felt like maybe you thought that the intro was getting a little stale, and I just wanted to switch it up a little bit. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> it's okay. It's you got a diplomatic mission to, like, ease tensions with the No, English not at all. I just, I'm just trying to get a rise out of you, and it worked. So... <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so it's been three weeks uh, since our last episode. And, uh, you know, I thought not a whole lot really has happened in three weeks. So I thought we would just move into some, you know, just kind of kitschy stories today because nothing's happened uh, for in the in the employment w law world. Nothing. Nothing's happened. And in your own personal <laughs> professional life, nothing has happened. Uh, so I think, you know, we're three minutes in here. I think we're done. Yeah. Uh, so I have to stop the sarcasm laden diatribe there because so many things have happened so in much. the last three weeks. So much. So much. So I'm going to start with my personal self because I'm a narcissist. Um, Please do. That was, that was the setup. <laughs> okay. So I was sued by a small law firm in South Carolina for trademark infringement for the use of the word thrive. Uh, when any business gets attacked for 
anything in litigation, whether it is a harassment lawsuit, whether it is a trademark lawsuit, whether it's a slip and fall, like you have to make decisions about what is best for the business overall. And so I made the decision that I really like taking helicopter lessons. I really like traveling a lot and the cost of defending a suit, even if I might win it, which I think I would, um, was not the right mode for me to take because I really like those things and I really like my kids and I really want to take them places. So I made the decision to change the name of my firm. So now my firm is K8Bish, which is just my Twitter handle. So K8Bish.com. So you can find me there. You can find me on Twitter there and stuff. And I did all of those changes within about a week. um, In addition to answering these gentlemen's complaint. And so we'll see what goes from there. It's been a whirlwind, I have to say. It has been, and and, uh, I'm sorry you've been going through this. It's been, obviously, it's been very hard on you, uh, but uh, I have been walking through (laughs) some of this with you as you've gone through it and uh, have spent a lot of hours myself trying to figure out how to help and be be (laughs) thoughtful around what to do. And and I think you've ended up taking the right approach. uh, And, uh, you know, notwithstanding, uh, you have been very polite in your recitation of that story. I'm going to (laughs) say, and be very clear, this is my opinion, that these people who sent this letter are a bunch of wankers (laughs) Mm -hmm. and should sod off. And uh, I'm just angry on your behalf. And but I think that you have have handled it appropriately. I love the new name. I think it's uh, it's it's edgy. Uh, it's a little <laughs> different uh, in all the right ways. And uh, wish you the best of luck with Kate Bish Law, even if it doesn't have a Biscoff cookie theme. Um, <laughs> Uh, I think that's okay. Maybe maybe that gets you into some other kind of copyright or trademark issues. So, um, <laughs> so maybe maybe it was best not to do that. But missed opportunity. My thought missed opportunity there. But uh, but I'm really you know I hope I hope this comes across in the right way. But I'm really proud of how you handled that, and uh, uh, have so much respect for how you handle yourself uh, professionally, uh, and many ways want to emulate how you do your stuff. <laughs> So, um, so that's, that's my thoughts on that. And, um, congratulations on, on rebranding. And I think it's going to be awesome. I I think so too. I I think there's a a good opportunity. I thrive law and consulting was in existence for exactly five years. K8 Bish. I hope I have at least another good five years in there. So it should be good. Should be good. Then you can retire to be a helicopter pilot. (laughs) Then I can retire to be a helicopter pilot. Oh my God, living the dream right there. So we should get down to some stuff though, Mark. Yes, we should. There hasn't been a shortage of things. Do you want to start in your neck of the woods? Yeah, I'm going to start in my neck of the woods. Uh, You all may have heard, this is going to sound a little bit like a prepared statement because it it is. Um, (laughs) So if it sounds like I'm a little reading a little bit more than usual, I wanted to get my thoughts really organized for this. Um, So you may have heard, a uh, recent news story in our time. We're recording this on Sunday the 3rd. This came out last Thursday, Sunday, October 3rd. This came out last Thursday. Uh, a recent news story that made national headlines related to the NWSL, which is the National Women's Soccer League, uh, related to allegations made by two former players about North Carolina coach Paul Riley, who they accused of significant and various ways of impropriety, uh, including sexual misconduct. Uh, Those allegations extended back to when uh, Mr. Riley coached my own beloved Portland Thorns, uh, and certain allegations 
uh, also extend to other members of team management here in Portland. Uh, since the allegations came to light last Thursday, uh, so far, uh, Paul Riley has lost his job. That happened within a few hours of when the article came out in The Athletic, uh, which uh, you can all go. It's a Meg Linehan or Linehan, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it, article. It It's really long. It took me like 45 mm-hmm. minutes to read the article. Uh, but uh, definitely worth the read. Um, and the NWSL commissioner and general counsel have both been ousted as well uh, in the days that followed. Um, and as of the time that we're recording right now, this is still a developing story. Uh, I've been asked by several friends uh, and on Twitter and even was called out on another podcast. Um, shout out to my buddies at Morrisonic. Uh, to comment on these allegations in my role as an attorney and as a podcaster and also as a soccer-loving attorney and mm-hmm. podcaster. Um, but I have a pretty strict policy to not comment on situations that are local to Portland uh, and Oregon generally uh, as they hit a little too close to home. And that's doubly true when it involves one of my teams. So um, <laughs> I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking to th- about this, but I do want to make a couple of points Related to it, if I may, uh, mm-hmm. point one, believe women, straight mm-hmm. up. Point two, uh, Twitter's great, but take it with a huge grain of salt. Uh, there's a <laughs> lot of really stupid legal takes out there right now. Uh, three, mm-hmm. many of us are basing our reactions on a single article, uh, and we've drawn certain conclusions and support uh, swift repercussions, many of which have already happened. Uh, that's fine, but I also want to caution folks to remember before screaming for too much blood that none of us actually has all the facts, uh, and there may be uh, nuance and other issues related to this that we don't know about. Uh, and so I I tend to take a moderating view of things, uh, at least in that regard. Uh, and point four, my last point, believe women. Okay. Support, support players in this. Uh, The league canceled all of its games this, this weekend. Uh, I believe that was at the behest of the players. Uh, I think that's the right call. Uh, There's been a lot of support coming out for the players. Um, And I think that that's who is impacted most by predators like Paul Riley uh, and uh, who are in positions of power and take advantage of that power. And uh, we need to now, uh, kind of, you know, come together with the players and support them in this. Um, I also want to add as a broader context, this is a slightly different issue. uh, And and again, this is my bully pulpit on on our (laughs) podcast and it's a little bit off topic, but um, I just want to express some disappointment on the media coverage of this event. And this excludes Meg Linehan from The Athletic, who only reports basically on women's soccer and the NWSL. I support The Athletic in part uh, because, uh, and send them my 5 or $8 a month, whatever I do, because they take the time and have a dedicated reporter for the NWSL. Um, the NWSL, in my opinion, is the premier showcase of women's soccer in the whole world. Uh, I go to games here in Portland uh, where the Thorns regularly pull over 20,000 spectators per match. Uh, that's huge. Ooh, yeah. uh, the league has become so well established Uh, And that's in spite of or despite a perennial lack of media and TV coverage. It's uh, really disappointing now to see major sports outlets that otherwise don't devote a single second to these incredible players at the pinnacle of their sport. And they're only now deciding to cover the league. 
uh, when something devastating happens that potentially threatens the league itself. Um, I say, again, piss off wankers. Uh, <laughs> yes. And I want to encourage our listenership to support women's sports, support women's soccer, support the WNBA. Uh, and if you don't have a team in your city, as these are not as well expanded leagues as, as uh, mm-hmm. men's sports, um, catch a game on TV. I know NWSL games are often on CBS, CBS Sports, Paramount Plus. Uh, many of you have subscriptions to those. Uh, look up some games, watch them play, help the ratings, bring in some more money, keep supporting mm-hmm. women's sports, women's soccer, women's basketball, uh, and all women's sports. Um, the players deserve more attention and better attention. Uh, and they certainly deserve better than only being covered when something devastating happens and several of them have been abused. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yep. Rant over. Um, Good rant. Thank you. Um, I want to dovetail that, though, into uh, further discussion of women's soccer. Uh, as you know, we have talked about in the past that we are, in fact, a soccer-loving podcast. And we have uh, reported quite a bit on some of the doings uh, with the equal pay claims of the U.S. women's national team. Uh, And we've gotten this. Uh, Hold on. Hold on. Be very careful with how you say equal pay, though, because is it equal pay or Title Seven? Because I think it's both. It is both. I'm I'm taking a pretty um, generous view of equal pay. Uh, equal pay, uh, and and really, um, uh, your point's well taken. Uh, I'm speak going to be speaking here in fairly broad terms. Broad terms. Yeah. Okay. And we- I, I only say that because I've been de- dealing with pay gender pay gap stuff. Fair. And and. It, their Title VII and the Equal Pay Act operate very, very differently, and that's why it's important to ha- make that caveat because you can say Fair. that you're totally fine under the Equal Pay Act and be discriminatory under the Title Se- under Title VII. So, people, you should know those that those two differences exist. You don't need to know the ins and outs. That's what attorneys are for, but you need to know that the difference exists. Right. So, sorry. Back off. So, I want to give a little more background around. What's happened since the last time we talked about uh, the mm-hmm. women's U.S. women's national soccer team uh, lawsuit? Um, and back last year, I think it was May 2020, um, a federal court decided to dismiss most of their their um, you know the articles are calling it equal pay. I'm just going to call it equal pay. We've we've covered yeah. that a little bit, but uh, dis- decided to dismiss most of their equal pay lawsuit. There were some differences in treatment uh, that uh, the judge did not dismiss. And I believe the U.S. women's national team settled uh, with Mm -hmm. uh, U.S. soccer uh, in terms of uh, creating equal playing conditions uh, as it relates to the men's national team. Um, Back uh, a few months ago, uh, so this was back in July, uh, we didn't cover this on the podcast. Uh, the U.S. Women's National Team decided to appeal that ruling, um, mm-hmm. and that is still pending. Basically, they're arguing that uh, the summary judgment that was issued last year uh, was inherently flawed and failed to consider uh, uh, the overwhelming. And I'm quoting here from it, uh, an article from Liz Rocher. I think this was from Yahoo Sports. 
uh, uh, failed to consider the overwhelming evidence that the UN's U.S. women's national team are underpaid compared to their male counterparts, despite being the most dominant team in international soccer history. Uh, the federal judge who heard the case ruled that because, or sorry, that ruled that the United States women's national team's claims of equal pay weren't sufficient to warrant a trial because they're being paid under the terms of the contract they'd signed. And that was the reason was they, mm-hmm. they negotiated a contract at arm's length uh, for a different uh, style of pay that effectively, if I were to summarize it uh, kind of offhand, uh, was that the men's uh, pay structure is set up that they receive uh, potentially much larger bonuses, but less guaranteed mm-hmm. pay. Uh, in part, that's because the men are already paid so much more by their club teams. The women had negotiated uh, a contract uh, that had a lot more guaranteed compensation, but less upside for substantial success. So the bonuses were smaller. And the judge said, you all negotiated that. So that's that. Oh, I hate that. Right. So <laughs> some news broke about two weeks ago. And and I'm, I'm going to lead into this. And I think it's worthy of, of a few minutes of conversation. Unfortunately, we don't have all the detail here because the details of the, as far as I can tell, I haven't been able to find the details of the contracts that were put out. Uh, but a big headline hit on September 14th, uh, U.S. soccer, this again this is from a Yahoo Sports article by Jack Bear, U.S. soccer offers identical contracts to the U.S. men's national team and U.S. women's national team. Amazing, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely It sounds amazing. amazing. Okay, and in their release, the Federation said about the offer, U.S. soccer firmly believes that the best path forward for all involved and for the future of the sport in the United States is a single pay structure for both senior national teams. Uh, This proposal will ensure that the U.S. uh, women's team and men's team players remain among the highest paid senior national team players in the world while providing a revenue sharing structure that would allow all parties to begin anew and share collectively in the opportunity that combined investment in the future of U.S. soccer will deliver over the course of a new collective bargaining agreement. Amazing. All the problems are solved, right, Kate? Yes, of course they are. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And and, and interestingly, uh, another side note here is that, uh, and I don't have a date on this, but uh, over the last year since the the women's national team lawsuit uh, has been going on, uh, the U.S. men's national team filed an amicus brief. An amicus. I know. um, I loved it. Saying, whoa. Uh, the women should actually be paid more than us. Yep. And like awesome on them. I think that, I think that's really Mm -hmm. cool, but here's the problem. There's still inherent differences in how Mm -hmm. the men and the women are treated at the club level. And it speaks to a little bit of the problem with how club sports in soccer relate to national team sports and where Mm -hmm. does compensation come from? Uh, And I'm not going to get into all of the, the nitty gritty detail about that. Um, but that concept that I talked about before in terms of how the contracts were previously structured is still relevant here because the Mm -hmm. women are making so much less from their club that an identical offer from U.S. soccer may appear to be completely equal on its face as it relates to them, but doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. lead to equality. Right. And... You know, in the end, 
the U.S. women's national team came out the same day or the day later. I don't have the exact date and completely blasted the the contract offer. And again, I don't know the terms mm-hmm. of it specifically, um, but the U, sorry, the United States, this is like the longest acronym ever, the United States Women's National Team Players Association, the USWNTPA, uh, <laughs> came out the day, that same day and replied to the public announcement uh, and uh, uh, quoting them, USSF, that's the United States Soccer Federation, their PR stunts and bargaining through the media will not bring us any closer to a fair agreement. In contrast, we are committed to bargaining in good faith to achieve equal pay and the safest working conditions possible. The proposal that USSF made uh, recently to us does neither. Um, yeah. I'm going to leave it there uh, for the reasons <laughs> we've talked about. I don't have a lot more detail uh about it, but there's going to have to be some difference because of the way that that the men and the women are treated differently at the club level, where the women make so much less uh, as part of their team salary uh, than the men do. Uh, that's going to have to be addressed, I think, in the contracts that come out here for the men's team and the women's team. So this, you know, I think U.S. Soccer was trying to get out in front of this. Right? There's also another yeah. issue I should raise, which is that. FIFA itself, the governing body of all soccer, provides much larger bonuses for the Men's World Cup and the Women's World Cup, and United States soccer has no control over that. So that also leads to a difference in compensation for similar kinds of results. And all of that, I think, is going to have to be addressed in some manner in these new contracts coming out. Uh, There's a lot more to come on this. Uh, I think U.S. soccer uh, attempted to to really address the issue in a sense by saying, look, it's the same, but the same is not always the same. <laughs> no, the same is not always the same. And yes. I, and I think saying, saying those words that we want it to be the same is good. I think that's progress. I think it's acknowledging mm-hmm. a lot of what's happened. Uh, so to that extent, I say good on you, U S soccer. Uh, but I think it's not enough. And I, I, I think we're going to see a lot more, um, interesting stuff coming out of these bargaining conversations that are upcoming, uh, I believe in the coming months here. And uh, I can't, I have to imagine we will be sharing more to come on that. (laughs) Well, I will, I will say that my favorite part of this story is the men filing the amicus brief. I think that is 100% allyship way to go guys. Nice work. Okay. So do you want to talk about some folks who've done really bad stuff? I mean, not really well, I mean, that's stuff, not really what stuff. we do on this podcast. So, <laughs> No, it's not really what we do. Okay. Go for it. So you remember Mr. Cuomo, Governor Cuomo, Andy Cuomo. Yes, yeah, like I do. Yeah, well, I was like, well, I also I know what you're going to talk about. So I'm like, which one? <laughs> I but mean, yes, I, remember I am aware. Mario Cuomo. Yes, I do too. I do too. Well, we're the same age. So I remember that yeah. too. No, no, no. We're not the same age. It was your birthday on Friday, big guy. You're older than me. <laughs> we're close. But that also yes. inherently means I was old enough to remember Mario Cuomo, too, if I'm true, older true. than you. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Happy belated birthday. Okay, now. Thank you. We need to talk about the Cuomo boys, the brothers, Governor mm-hmm. Cuomo and his brother, Chris Cuomo. Yes. Now, if you remember during this extended pandemic, that there was a point in time where someone could consider themselves a Cuomo sexual. 
Do you remember this? <laughs> vaguely, yes. <laughs> we you didn't prep this. Cuomo- you can tell we didn't prep this. I do vaguely remember that. <laughs> you could be a Cuomo-sexual because you loved how transparent and how just goofy Governor Cuomo was being in talking about COVID-19. Right. So he came out talking about it. But what was brewing behind the scenes was a explosive sexual harassment complaint and investigation by the New York Attorney General's office, Letitia James. That report came out and it was horrible. Like there are 11 accounts, Mm -hmm. um, really bad stuff in some cases. Uh, Governor Cuomo claimed that all of it was just because he's an Italian and he likes to hug and kiss people. And that's just part of his culture. But after a couple- Yeah, (laughs) Uh, but after a little while, I can't remember exactly how long, I want to say at least more than a week, um, he finally resigned his position and then has stepped back and hopefully far into the shadows of the recesses of the world, um, given his misconduct. Well, during that time, during the investigation and the fallout of the time, his brother, who is a CNN anchor, he anchors uh, an evening version of CNN, Uh, was advising his brother on how to handle the PR fallout as a media personality. And he received a great deal of criticism for that because, you know, he had had his brother on the show multiple times and advising but not being transparent with the audience was a violation of his journalistic ethics, or at least that was argued many, many times. Well, Quiz Cuomo went back on TV and said that he always has cared very deeply about these issues and profoundly so. And he just wanted to tell his audience that, that he was, he cared very much about these issues, um, but he was concerned about the fallout. He will no longer be covering or interviewing his brother on the show because of the conflict of interest that he displayed. Sure. Well... On September 24th, we get this a letter guest guest essay in the New York Times by a former executive producer of news for both ABC and CBS, who had happened to be Chris Cuomo's boss for a portion of his career. When she was not, not his boss, she had taken a different role. At a party, he walked up, gave her a great big bear hug and grabbed her butt. Okay. In front of her husband. Okay. This is Always a salient good. fact. It doesn't matter. It's again, it doesn't matter, but a salient fact. Okay. So he says, I can do this now because you're no longer my boss. She immediately says, No, you can't. <laughs> okay. God. That's Steph some twisted then, logic there. <laughs> right. Exactly. And no, you can't. And then quickly left the party with her husband. Okay. Because her husband saw it. Yes. A little while later, he sends an email with the email heading saying, now that I think of it, I am ashamed. And he goes in to describe, kind of attempt to apologize. Okay. So let me read you the email. Though my hearty greeting was a function of being glad to see you. Okay, dot, dot, dot. Now, let's pause for a moment. Motherfucker, that was not a hearty greeting. That was what could be considered sexual assault when you grab and squeeze a woman's butt. Okay, no, 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 not a hearty greeting. Okay, 
back to the email. Christian Slater got arrested for a parenthesis kind of similar act, though born of an alleged negative intent, unlike my own. So Christian Slater had a negative intent. He's worse. And as a husband, I can empathize with not liking seeing my wife padded as such. So pass along my apologies to your very good and noble husband. Okay, this is where I take a whole bunch of umbrage for this. You don't apologize to the husband. At least you don't apologize to the husband first, you asshole. Okay, then he says, and I apologize to you as well for even putting you in such a position. Yes, douche canoe, you put her in a horrible position. Just, just horrible position. Next time, I'll remember the lesson, no matter how happy I am to see you. Okay, so like I got to this part of the guest essay and I had to walk away. Okay, it just made me so angry. Now, I'm not a CNN watcher. I The only show, a new show that I really watch is Deadline White House with Nicole Wallace because I love her. But I will never watch Chris Cuomo again because this is just ridiculous okay oh okay but but shelly ross doesn't write this essay to make fun of him directly i mean she does she absolutely does sure but she makes a broader point that we still haven't reached the phase of the me too movement where real accountability exists not that he should necessarily lose his job but that he needs to understand and appreciate and show that appreciation for what he did was bad. Right. Th- that email doesn't do that. No, that email doesn't do that. His his brief little stint on CNN saying, oh, I won't ever interview my brother again, doesn't do that. What happened in the fallout of Andrew Cuomo is that we saw two massively important organizations go through significant change. For example, one of them was the president of the human rights campaign um, was fired because he had advised Governor Cuomo uh, or had given the personnel file of one of the accusers out to the public, um, which was a horribly unethical thing. He tried to fight his termination, but he ultimately was terminated. I look at HRC. In fact, I have my water bottle with an HRC sticker on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I use HRC for their questions um, for you know asking about LGBTQ status. I use a lot of their stuff. So I was disappointed that they had to go through this and they had someone at leadership. The other big part of the accountability was the fact that the 71 member board of Times Up dissolved because at least two people at Times Up which if you remember, Time's Up comes out after the Harvey Weinstein sub. It's got 71 board members, including Reese Witherspoon, Natalie Portman, uh, Amy Schumer, Tessa Thompson, America Ferreira, Carrie Washington, Tarana Burke, like big female names in the, in the Hollywood industry. They dissolve that entire board to show the only true way to get this stink off of us is to do a clean slate and start again. And that form of recognizing that we're going to believe women, that we have to start from scratch, it is the best way forward. I, I think that that is an important message, particularly for an organization focused on women to take that stance. But as an employer, when you have this, if something happens, and let's say you take disciplinary action designed to stop the harassment from happening, there is still the step 
of trying to repair that relationship, which is a form of accountability that Chris Cuomo is not taking, CNN is not taking, Time's Up certainly has tried to do their darndest to take that, HRC has tried to take that stance as well, that we have been missing from the largest commentary, or from the commentary about this kind of fallout. I mean, Louis C.K. is back on the road with a stupid graphic of him standing in front of something that says, sorry, I'm like, geez, you haven't learned the accountability yet either. So there's so many of this that just irks me, but I thought we should talk about it. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, you said it. Uh, <laughs> there's not a whole lot more I can add to that. Uh, I agree with every word. Um, uh, the, the half apology, the partial apology, the I'm sorry if I offended you kind of apology um, just doesn't cut it. Mm-mm. It doesn't no, cut. It, it, it doesn't. doesn't. It, and it doesn't show recognition. Um, uh, you're actually doing more victim blaming in that. In, in that, uh, you know, you misunderstood me, so you're the one with the problem. But so I'm sorry if that's the way that happened. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, you know, this email wasn't exactly like that, but it was still like that completely. Well, and just I apologize to your husband. You're good and noble. Right. Husband. Well, there's that too. <laughs> I mean, <sighs> I. Like, yeah. like, just there, talk he, about like trying to eliminate someone's agency and and identity, right? And yeah. uh, just <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we have to talk about the other massive news that's broken in the last three weeks, which is vaccines. Yes. Now you fully have your jabs, right? Oh, long ago. <laughs> yes. 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 I've had my jabs. Both of our sets of children have had their jabs. Yep. Um, it's a it's a big deal. And, but as a country, we suck at getting jabs. We are the last of the G7 countries, if you look at rankings of how well we've gotten jabs. And we know that the truly the only way out of the pandemic is a combination of jabs, masks, and... Um, Ivermectin. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, not <laughs> Ivermectin. Thank you very much. So I just wanted to see your face. <laughs> And rapid testing. That's the third. Yes, one. and so rapid testing. We have those those three things are the only way we can really get out of this. So Biden administration put vaccine mandates into or is tempting to put vaccine mandates into place. We know the federal contractor one is in place December 8th. If you're a federal contractor, everybody's got to be done. We'll get the OSHA rule. God, I hope it's going to be this week, uh, but we will get the it's OSHA rule. killing me. Yep. <laughs> and we will get the OSHA rule in that... We will know what the deadline is and whether or not anyone's going to challenge it. We know that Governor Abbott of Texas, Governor DeSantis of Florida are going to probably challenge it. The Republican National Committee has said that they will challenge it, but we know big business will not. And this is where I appreciate it. That yes. The national manufacturers, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce already re already requires vaccination. Yep. Business Roundtable already the same day as Joe pulled the car over and yelled at us about vaccinations, they came out in favor. And then we have major organizations, Tyson's Food, American Airlines just yesterday. We've got United Airlines, which saw only 1% of their staff depart. We have Novant Healthcare in North Carolina. Again, only 1% of their staff had to be let go because they refused to get vaccinated. Uh, Delta Airlines putting a healthcare premium of $200 per month if you're not vaccinated in an effort to both reduce healthcare costs related to COVID-19 and drive folks to go get vaccinated. All important things. And I think this is where we are heading. 
And if you are trying to find a way out of the various rules. So for example, I have got a, a bunch of contractor clients who are deathly afraid that they're going to lose their staff. And they're looking down, well, I, do I have a current federal contract or do I have, am I going to get a new one? Or is the option going to be exercised? They're struggling with if it even applies to them. The answer is if you just did it, this would end faster <laughs> in most cases. If you just said it applies because Uncle Joe gave us a whole bunch of cover. Take yep. the cover, go yep. do it. It's just yep. gonna, it's just a fun time to be an employment it, attorney. It is. And and I think we're already, from some of the stats I've seen, already starting to see some improvement in, in U.S. vaccination rates as a result of this, uh, which is yep. exactly what it should do. You know, I do have clients that go both ways on this, some of which are how do we get more people in and how do, how, you know, we want them all to have this. Uh, and yes. and we're willing to take the risk that a certain percentage of our workforce leaves. I have other clients that very understandably are like, we have a workforce that's highly trained and they're very difficult to replace and we can't lose any of them. And we're, we're really worried about this. Um, mm -hmm. And then trying to help them navigate that in the right way uh, is also a challenge that we've been, we've been working on uh, as employment lawyers too. So uh, I think, Overall, everybody's hearts uh, that at least I encounter on this, their hearts uh, are in the right place and with an intent of, you know, we need to protect our business, but also we need to get people vaccinated. Uh, and I think yeah. that's fantastic. And I think that the uh, notwithstanding some of these slow rollouts of, you know, the details about this yeah. um, uh, are are uh, a little bit frustrating. Um, some of the news around, uh, you know, clergy members writing notes for people uh, to get mm -hmm. uh, religious exemptions uh, for any, you know, claiming, claiming, you know, that yes, this is a deeply held belief of this particular individual who I'm just meeting now for the first time. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I find that frustrating and disappointing. Yeah. But the, uh, the overall balance, it trends positive. Yes, there was an absolutely amazing, and I can say this, I, well, I, I, this is not a really good excuse, but as someone raised deeply in the Catholic faith, there was an excellent Catholic joke last night on Saturday Night Live about um, that Catholics are seeking religious exemptions. And Colin Joe said, because, you know, it's nothing like a Catholic to want someone else to die for their sins. Right. So... <laughs> Wow. Okay. It was, it was a real harsh one, yeah. but I, I think I gasped. I watched Night Live early in the morning because I don't stay up late, but I watched it early in sure. the morning. I think I gasped and my cats jumped. Like, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. So the, we're going to get more about the vaccines, but it is something that you should be considering thinking yes. about. Right. Especially for those of you. Out who are federal contractors and those of you with over a hundred employees. Um, the, yeah. As we've talked before, the, there's different requirements under each of those. Um, yeah, but and you the, should be paying attention. The, and the legal requirements, particularly in a state like Montana that has vaccination status as a protected class, these federal laws are going to preempt them. Right. But if you, you don't have 99 employees, then you're really in a spot. So it's going to be sure. fascinating how this works. Yeah. Uh, much more to come, undoubtedly. Mm -hmm. Should we wrap up with a listener story today? Yes, 
please. So some of you have heard the call. We're not going to get to a lot of it today, uh, just for time constraints with so much happening over the last few weeks, but we are going to do one listener story. I have a few more that I've received. Uh, there's never enough. So keep sending them <laughs> to hwepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I, we don't get very many questions. Uh, maybe I'll start soliciting them on Twitter, but, uh, Send us your questions, send us your comments on Twitter, and uh, we will read some of them on the podcast in future episodes. So, uh, I, and, and again, our, our Twitter account is at HWE Podcast, and uh, HWE Podcast at gmail.com is where you can email us. Uh, I'm going to read us a story uh, from a listener uh, who, who we know, but will stay anonymous. Um, <laughs> Uh, hello, Mark and Kate. Uh, love the podcast. It always keeps me laughing. Uh, I've heard your plea for listener stories and wanted to share a couple of memorable experiences with you. One, a restaurant <laughs> that my husband worked at was welcoming a new sous chef to fill the opening. The sous chef, let's call him Jeff, had a reputation of changing jobs every four to six months. According to the executive chef who hired him, Jeff had medical issues that other employers couldn't accommodate, but he was committed to making this place work. The kitchen staff reserved judgment for the first five minutes of meeting him until they realized he had several tattoos on his arms that had misspelled words. Loyalty, oh. loyalty, L-O-Y-E-L-T-Y, uh, and, <laughs> and repect. Oh, no! <laughs> repect. Uh, yes, uh, poor uh, Aretha. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, she even spells it <laughs> right, like not a hard one. Um, uh, so no he's, regrets, <laughs> right? <laughs> he's he smelled of alcohol and looked high. A few cooks tried to bring up the concerns about the alcohol and smell, not the tattoos, uh, to the general manager who refused to take any action on it. So Jeff stayed in his role, probably to the mercy of the general manager and the line staff who would double check any plates Jeff tried to push through for servers, even though the meats were undercooked or certain foods were burned beyond consumption. After a few weeks of working with Jeff, he was finally scheduled to work the hectic brunch service on a Sunday morning. Jeff stumbled in around 9 a.m., three hours late reeking of alcohol, Ooh. refused to take off his sunglasses on the line, and tried to get the team pumped up for the shift by taking over the Bluetooth speakers with his music playlists. Oh, Kate just put on her shades. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I'm somebody who tends to think that shades make everybody cooler, uh, particularly okay. myself, but that that was a, it's a good look. I like it. Um <laughs> Uh, so, all right. So he takes over, uh, the playlist on the Bluetooth speakers, brunch service started and the restaurant got smashed with service within the hour. Tables were full. The lobby was packed and the hostess was, I love, I love the way this is written. Thank you. Um, uh, the hostess, uh, uh, was controlling the crowd to keep people entertained while waiting for their tables. All of a sudden the music comes to a jarring stop <gasps> and is quickly replaced with the sounds of porn. <laughs> oh my god, I love it so much. Very graphic and descriptive <laughs> porn and what likely sounded oh. like an orgy video. Nice. Everyone turned around in the kitchen to see who changed the music, only to realize that Jeff was missing from the line and he was the one controlling the Bluetooth device. 
While the hostess scrambled to turn down the volume, a few cooks rushed to the bathroom to pound on the door and tell Jeff to turn off his porn because everyone in the restaurant could hear it. So he had gone to the bathroom, turned some porn on while he was in there, and now it was blaring. And and because the music had been running off his phone over the Bluetooth. Yeah. (laughs) Thankfully, that incident was enough for the general manager to fire him on the spot. Considering the little the little ten second audio mess up cost the restaurant hundreds of dollars to comp the meals of furious guests. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, okay. So just so you know, if I'm ever in your restaurant and it starts playing porn, I'm just gonna tip more. I'll pay. Don't worry, you don't have to comp me. <laughs> it's good to know. <laughs> I will find it so, so funny <laughs> that it made it like for me it would have made my day. Um, uh, two story two. Not exactly a company party, uh, calling back to many of our, you know, early podcast company party stories, but exclusive company parties sure have great stories. An insurance company I worked for would host company travel retreats for agents that exceeded their company goals as a way to celebrate their hard work. On one of these trips, 50 plus insurance agents and their plus one were treated to a, a one week, all expenses paid cruise in the Greek islands. The top insurance agents and company executives attended this cruise, including a few newbie agents that made the cut. The first couple of nights were filled with drinks, dinners, company speeches, and tons of networking. I don't think the cruise ship was big enough to handle all of that ego overload, in my opinion. But anyway, repeat that cycle, <laughs> repeat that cycle for three nights. On the fourth day of the cruise, competitions started forming, such as who could, who could eat the most crab meat? Who could, hook up, who could hook up the most on the cruise? Not me. <laughs> and eventually, <laughs> who could drink the most? Mm, I got a good Sort of. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Com- you're competitive. <laughs> uh, I would embarrass myself. Fair, <laughs> fair. Uh, been there, done that. Uh, perhaps uh, being the new person in the group uh, made a new agent, let's call him Danny, feel like he had something to prove. So he joined the drinking competition that morning. <laughs> which i really is a really understated line or um Bold but, underscore right Le- no it's line. not it's just it's just completely understated and i want to call that out that it's awesome uh by the evening time danny was so inebriated that no one could control him with his drink intake or his suave dance moves or <laughs> his attempts to make out with the executive VP's wife in front of the executive VP. Now, he needs to send an email apologizing right? to the- <laughs> Sorry. We're calling him Danny, but his real name was Chris. Um, uh, so uh, punches were thrown, black eyes formed, and vomit covered the tracks of Danny as they escorted him to his room and locked him in until the next day. The cruise ship had to make an emergency stop at a nearby island in the morning, where Danny and his plus one were escorted off the cruise ship with no return flight from the company. (laughs) Danny received his termination packet while the cruise left him on the island. Oh, Danny, Danny, Danny. No, um, so... From an HR perspective, 
we shouldn't have had the competitions the various evenings. Um, but yeah, Danny definitely put it over the top. An example can be made of Danny. Uh, I would think, and it sounds like it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's a great story. Like it was. Thank you to great. our thank you, thank you, anonymous listener. Uh, we know many more of you have stories like that. I mean, maybe not like porn in the bathroom <laughs> on the speakers of a restaurant. Good, like that's 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 definitely like a top five <laughs> or top ten story on this podcast. Uh, yes. Thank you. Um, actually both of those were pretty amazing. Um, we have some more, uh, we are always looking for more. Please send them in as I had requested before. Um, Kate, I think we have one other thing to tease, uh, which is that later this week, Mm -hmm. we will be coming out with a special episode. We've already recorded it. So I can already tell you that it's amazing. (laughs) <laughs> and for those Ted Lasso fans out there in our audience, I think you're going to be really, really happy with this. And yep. we'll leave it at that. But look for that to drop midweek, I think. I have, I'm figuring out the timing. Uh, but look for that to drop midweek. And we are and really- And get up to date. And get up to date. Make get sure you've date. watched through uh, season one, episode 11, which is the episode that mm-hmm. dropped on Friday, uh, two days ago in our time, three days, I guess, when this episode drops. And uh, you will, I think, really enjoy this special episode we've got coming out later this week. Yep. Um, I'm super, super duper excited about it. So uh, with that, I think we're going to call it good. Uh, mm-hmm. Kate, where can the people find you at your new branded law new. firm? Yes, you can find me at k8bisch.com. And that is also my Twitter handle. It is also the specialized URL for LinkedIn. So you can find me any of those places. Where can you find you, Lettuce okay. Trousers? Lettuce Trousers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you can find me at Salad Pants on the Twitter. Uh, and you can find me at my law firm website, uh, BullardLaw.com. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we will be back in just a couple of days with a special episode. And uh, make sure you get up to speed on Ted Lasso between now and then. Mm-hmm. Right. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Talk to you later. Bye.